Welcome to the other side of jazz, where we play jazz that you might not hear anywhere else and talk to the people who make it. That's the other side of jazz. Candy, city lights, the cooker, the Lee Morgan story, expobedient, leeway. Take 12, the Lee Morgan story, sidewinder, search for the new land, Tomcat, the Lee Morgan story, cornbread, the gigolo, infinity, the Lee Morgan story, 7-10-1938, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, birth the prodigy, a brilliant musician in the making, pops played organ at the church every weekend. At an early age, he collected records. Grew well, Bursa, who was playing the best with horns and drums, using arms and lungs to take the world by storm and build a legacy, son. Southern roots, though he was born in the Northeast, his parents left the South on a mission to make ends meet. He lived with passion, his heart pumped music. His father was his first true inspiration to do it. Each day revealed the true essence natural. Study cats like Clifford Brown and Fats Navarro. Always wonder when the sun come out tomorrow to end the ghetto pain and sorrow, also shallow. Dizzy Gillespie, Clifford Brown, Blue Note, the Lee Morgan story. Hank Mobley, John Coltrane, Art Blakey, the Lee Morgan story. Wayne Shorter, Benny Golson, Bobby Timmons, the Lee Morgan story. Avant-garde. 1960s, Joe Henderson, the Lee Morgan story. His first teenage love was a trumpet. His sister got it for him because she knew that he wanted it. I doubt she knew what all would become of it. He studied it at the School of the Arts, not knowing he would do from the start. His teacher was a chain-smoking local who mastered the horn, y'all. He was no joke, yo. He used to cut out of school. Him and his man used to break early and go to the jams. You know, network and build. Humble cat just showing his skill. Met Clifford Brown and Dizzy and he knew it was real. No for his grace, notes and light tone quality. Methodically shaped the longest line so ill melodically So much hard work graduated at last Same month Clifford Brown died in a car crash So sad it crushed him, life goes on Huge tragedy with thrust of a star is born Infinity, the rump roller Charisma, the Lee Morgan story Delightfully, the Rajah Sonic Boom, the Lee Morgan story The Sixth Sense, the Procrastinator Karamba, the Lee Morgan story Sextet Lighthouse, Taboo, the Lee Morgan story. At the age of 18, he joined the Art Blakey Messenger team. The next level of things, living his dreams. A few months later, he was hired by Diz to play in big band gigs, only to further his biz. The experience outweighed the money so much he failed to attend the most prestigious school in the country. He shot junk in his veins, started to slip. His friends and family worried, was this gonna be it? No, soon arise again from the underground with a hard bop jazz type soulful sound. Sidewinder, first original composition, and most successful at the time in terms of chart positioning. His work ethic was massive, sideband sessions go on for days like discography lessons. Like so many, his downfall was narcotic, and soon to be his fate if he couldn't learn to stop it. It was a gun that ended his life at a gig in New York City by his so-called wife. 33 years young, so full of greatness. The Lee Morgan story, read about it in the papers, study the straight no filter. Dippin', caddy for daddy, the Lee Morgan story. Freedom writer, roots and herbs, the witch doctor, the Lee Morgan story. Indestructible, soul finger, blue train, the Lee Morgan story. Helen Moore, slugs, legacy, the Lee Morgan story.
now that you've heard a little bit of music, we're going to get into our first interview on the first show. Farnell Newton, an accomplished horn player as well as professor out there in Portland, Oregon. Let's get to it. Now, first off, we're going to start this off. Um, how's your CD doing? Um, it's doing well. Um, you know, it's getting a airplay a lot of different places and uh, in the UK. Uh, and this is also without doing, you know, a promo, an official smooth jazz or jazz promo package or anything. This is just me with the relationships I've built up over time and, and new people that I've been meeting online. Now, the next record, I'm definitely going to do the whole full shebang as far as promo. But for this one, it's doing well. A lot of people are loving it. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm glad it's going well right now. Okay, that's cool. That's good. That's real good. Now, with the infusion of hip-hop and jazz, because your record is eclectic across the board, you go from just jazz to soul uh-huh. to R&B. Uh-huh. Now, you know there's a lot of folks who discuss about that, who get real kind of touchy about that. Oh, yeah. What is your take on it? Um, you know, when I first wanted to do my own project, someone... Uh, uh, a bass player was like, you know, don't do that now. You know, don't do the hip hop Latin thing and stuff now. Just do your straight ahead album, you know, and put it out. And, and, and I kind of listened to them for a while, which which I, I'm mad that I did. I mean, I, I'm mad that I did. So um, because this is before Roy officially had his RH factor and different things like that. Um, but, you know, I was I'm, I was raised up on hip hop. You know, I'm a. I was born in the last bit of the 70s and, and in the 80s and 90s and listened to a lot of hip-hop. And that was part of my upbringing as well as soul and gospel and Latin music and, and, and other things. So, um, so why not play uh, music that is influenced by my life, you know? Okay. Now, you on tour, you do regular tours with Mike Phillips, mm-hmm. who is eclectic in his own thing because his hip-hop jazz his his bit of hip-hop jazz Uh is kind of smooth because everybody everybody calls him likes to categorize him as smooth jazz and i really can't put him in that category no he's not really smooth jazz he's more i mean he's like they say they have urban uh uh, contemporary urban or or it's hip-hop as well because i mean we might go from playing a prince song to playing a 50 cent song and then playing a, a john coltrane yeah because he's going back to playing ludicrous yeah because see his song right place wrong time that song yeah. is the bomb yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and see for the we got to meet the first time this summer which was real cool because we we've been talking on the internet ever since like myspace was the main thing to talk through yeah. <laughs> and MySpace <laughs> oh, yeah, the MySpace days, which is still up and running. You know, you yeah. can still get good music on there. But how has your diversity in music helped you grow from in jazz as well as in other genres of music? Because you got to tell the audience how many bands you're in and all the stuff you do because you work hard. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, it just... It, it, the, as being a jazz musician, jazz music, uh, you know, 
it, it teaches you to be versatile and uh, and adaptable to your environment. Now, some people they just play their one jazz that they play, and that's and they're happy with that. But like I said, I grew up with all of these different music, so um, you know, so I play with. I used to play with um, Puerto Rican bands on the East Coast and, and opening up for great salsa groups and playing with great salsa artists. And then now I'm on the West Coast. I play with a lot of bands from L.A. Um, there's an artist named Ricardo Limbo I play for who's uh, he's African and he sings like Italian, French, Spanish and, and everything. And um, and then I'll do all of the salsa stuff. But then uh, I used to play in a klezmer band <laughs> out here in the Northwest, one of, one of like a popular band at the time. You know, uh, I do funk. Um, you know, I play. I'm on Boosie's Collins' new record, uh, the Funk Capital, um, um, and I play with. You know, at the Soul Train, I play with Charlie Wilson and Ron Isley. So I've done the funk and the soul. I play with the hip hop artists. Um, I used to produce for a lot of hip hop artists. Um, jazz wise, I mean, I used to play. You know, I played with Aretha Franklin. I played with James Moody. I played with avant garde musicians. Uh, from Chicago, I, you know, I play with great Detroit musicians like Marcus Belgrave, Don Walden, Ali uh -huh. uh, um, Jackson, and you know, I've played with a lot of great Detroit musicians. Um, um, so I mean, I, I think jazz just allowed me to be so adaptable as my musical palette was. Now, say if I didn't listen to all of these different music growing up, I might just be a, a hard bop trumpet player playing the music of like Freddie Hubbard, and that's it. But I couldn't just do that because you know my myself was telling me I had to do other things, and uh, and it's paid off, you know. Yeah, because I've over the years I've seen you because this album I know this is yeah because I'm telling my age saying album. <laughs> I say album too. I mean, we all say the real. You're gonna hear some more of the interview in a moment, but right now we're gonna take a music break on the other side of jazz. Thank you. 
hope you enjoyed that music break. And now back to more of the interview on the other side of Jack. I say album too. I mean, we all say the real musicians say records or album. <laughs> Seriously, you know, I don't even play. The closest I can do is play some drums right quick. So <laughs> I've been running around with y'all so much. I'm like, you know what? These are my partners. I can't can't do nothing wrong with it. But how do you feel about that discussion going on? I mean, there's like literally a tug, not a tug of war, but a real discussion of how some of the older cats are like, you know, these new jazz artists aren't paying homage and respect to the others. But, but, but we are. That's the thing about it, because, I mean, if you think about it, Charlie Parker and those guys was the young guys of the time playing pop music. Broadway tunes like How High the Moon, Indiana, those are my favorite things. Those were Broadway plays and and basically the pop music of the time and stuff. So so now they're taking How High the Moon and because of copyright laws and things back uh, in those days uh, at certain clubs, they couldn't play the original tunes because they would have to pay, the club would have to pay, you know, the copyright companies for those artists and stuff. And then it would become really expensive. So now they start bebopping it and changing some chords up and changing the melodies. So instead of How High the Moon, you got Ornithology. Instead of Indiana, you have Donna Lee. So those guys was doing that then. So what's to say that we can't do that now? It's still improvised music. It's still black music. So why can't we do that now? Like Robert Glasper said, have you seen that DVD, um, uh, uh, Jazz in the Present Tense? Oh, I've seen They're out of Seattle. Okay. Yeah, I saw. What is it? Uh it's like jazz in the present tense, um, uh, 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 basically talking about the young musicians now and how they view jazz. I mean, like Robert Glasper said, you know, if Charlie Parker somehow awoken today and see that we're still playing music the same way he was playing it. Like he'd be like, what, what is happening? You know, like, where are we going to have some growth, some movement, some, um, you know, everything changes. Yeah, Icon. There was a uh, DVD called Icon Among Us that talked yeah, about. That's it. That's it. Icons like Among Us. Jazz in the present tense, Icons Among Us. Yeah, because when I saw, I saw Robert Glasper on there, and then I saw Jason Moran. Mm-hmm. And see, those two cats immediately made me think of you, mm-hmm. Mike Phillips, mm-hmm. Christian Scott. <laughs> yeah. You know, all these young dudes who are coming out here because I had to think, you know, you got Dizzy and Bird for a number of years were not recorded because the way they did Bob, mm-hmm. you know, and if you think about Dizzy and Bird and then how can you be a fan of Miles Davis and not be appreciative of what the younger jazz musicians are doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, OK, you can be a fan of Miles Davis of what he's done in his body of work but then you look at these younger cats and gonna braid them i can't get with that too much yeah but also you know like look at people like you know john cotrain he started out playing one way and then he went more on a spiritual journey where um he um you know was trying to go somewhere and take the music somewhere you had miles who went from playing bebop to cool jazz to hard bop, to like fusion, to rock, to to pop, to hip hop, 
and still being able to go back and play all of that anytime he wanted to. So, like you said, how can you be a fan of Miles Davis and his music and his collection of music when and still put down the young musicians um, who are doing this thing? Now, I'm not just picking up my instruments and playing um, Jay Dilla or Busta Rhymes or something. I'm, I'm studying still the music of before. I'm still studying Duke Ellington. I'm still studying, studying Miles Davis, Freddie Hubbard. But at the same time, I have such a deep appreciation and a love for hip-hop that I can't help but to add it into jazz. I mean, I might go from playing uh, uh, an Eddie Harris song to then going to play, you know, a music soul child or to even playing a Slum Village song. Like, how can you, how can you not, I mean, I, that's what I grew up on. So how can I not... Um, um, uh, I don't want to fight where my body and my music and myself and my being wants me to go. I feel you. I feel you because, like I said, I'm a big fan of your album because there's one song on there featuring a guy that I can't wait till he comes out. We talked about him when you were here. Mm-hmm. Gerard Lawson. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the homie. Uh, the man is uh, smooth. He's he's a great the, the thing about him, he's a great pianist, a great singer, a great arranger, and just a really cool guy. Like, you know, I can't wait for him to do more because we're all trying to push him out there because we know he has the potential and he should be heard. You know, I've had um, someone who manages big time artists and works for a record label who listened to a scratch song, like a, a demo song of his, not even finished it, and was like, wow, this is great. Like, who is this dude? How does he look? I could have him signed in no time because he's wonderful. I mean, he wrote the song, he wrote the horns, and he wrote the lyrics on my song. You know, I mean, now, I didn't have anybody else. I didn't tell anybody else to write horns for me. You know, I'm a horn player. Why would I have somebody write horns for me? But I had him write them for me because it complemented the song um, so well. And man, and see, and the thing is, I have like three cuts of his. Mm-hmm. Music's all around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a scratch track that mm-hmm. he did. But it is so jazzy plus soul. You know, it reminds me of the the Clark Duke kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's, he, but see, he, he's a student of the music. He's gone back and listened to that. You know, if he's going to do it, he's going to go back and listen to it. He, he listens to the classic soul. So, because he has such a good foundation in soul music, he could sing Commodores. He could sing Isley's. He could sing Stevie Wonder. He could sing Michael Jackson and then turn around and do D'Angelo, um, Maxwell, and um, Bilal, and then he could turn around and do his own thing on top of that. So he you has t- a, a a vast a vast um, array of um, of uh, of music and catalog. I mean, you know, and so when you see him again, tell him for me that he has a unique sounding voice, like a Michael McDonald. He mm-hmm. really does. He has a unique sound to him because if you hear a lot of singers out here, some of them sound. They don't have a real distinctive sound sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, he does. Not. He his yeah. sound is so distinctive. I have to rank him up there with Michael McDonald, Peter Cetera, uh-huh. those kind of guys. Yeah, 
You know, and for those, oh, yeah. he could do, he could do Stilly Dan too. Uh, ooh. <laughs> we, did, oh. we did a tribute. We did a tribute to um, uh, uh, Spirit of '77. It was called. So we did everything that came out in '77, which was like um, uh, all of those songs. You know, from like Stevie Wonder, Master Blaster to Marley, and everything. We did all of those songs, especially the percussion player that's on that same song. Everything is clear. His name is Jens Ingsberg. He used to perform with Charlie Hunter. He sings, he plays percussion, and, and he's ridiculous as well. So mm-hmm. now tell everybody what you all the stuff that you do. Farnell Newton, because every day, if you look on Facebook, <laughs> you look on Twitter, or even Foursquare, you somewhere doing something and constantly working. Constantly. Yeah. Um, you know, this is this is what I do. You know, I do other many different things. You know, I used to work a, a computer job for ten years. You know, I do graphic designs. I do. I'm one of those people. If I put my mind to it, I can do it. So, um, but musically, right now, I'm heading to the Capital Jazz Super Cruise to perform with um, George Duke. Uh, uh, who else I'm performing with? Spur the Moment and Gerald Beasley who's doing like a Philadelphia sound of Philadelphia tribute. And then after that, I go home for a little bit, spend time with my family. Then I'm back at it with the Soul Train Music Awards. Uh, you know, we're doing a tribute to Earth, Wind & Fire and Gladys Knight. And oh. I don't even know whoever are the 20 different artists that we play with that um, for those shows. But that's an all-star band, you know, um, majority from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and plus myself and um, Greg Boyer from uh, Prince and Parliament and uh, and Maceo Parker on trombone. So, wow. Um, and uh, let me see. Then after that, you know, I come back. I got I'm the feature soloist at this university. I got to go and sit in and, and perform with their big band. Uh, <laughs> after that, I got, you know, I have my local gigs that I do and shows that I'm promoting myself. Um in town locally in Portland and playing with in Seattle with a group called Opus, which is uh, my musical director, Chris Turner, who plays with me. He has a band also in Seattle that I play with a lot. And we do everything from, you know, Marcus Miller to um, Poogee Bell to, um, to uh, you know, Stevie Wonder. And we do a Mike Phillips song. We do a couple of my songs. So, you know, I, I kind of then I have a straight ahead gig. I play straight ahead jazz with a bunch of different bands. I teach here at Portland State University where I'm at as a jazz professor of trumpet. And I mean, I, I do so much. Plus, you know, still balancing family and uh, and, and my kids. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I saw the youngest munchkin. Yeah. <laughs> the youngest munchkin. He running around having a good time. He's, he's, he, he's humongous. <laughs> Yeah, he running around having a good time because I see those pictures. He just posing himself, just having a ball. Oh, yeah. And and then the baby girl, what well, she's now two, isn't she? Yeah, she's almost two. December. Uh, she's uh, a, a trip. She because she sings, dance, and and she loves art and and everything, you know. Plus, her mom, my my wife is a a professor as well, and um, singer and an artist. Come from a family of artists. Um, so, you know, I mean, we, we always have music in the house playing, no matter what it is, classical, funk, uh, hip hop, raffy, we have baby music. (laughs) Yeah, that's that. I like that eclectic style because they could come up well-rounded, seriously. 
You're going to hear some more of the interview in a moment. But right now, we're going to take a music break on the other side of jazz. Sometimes it feels like nothing will ever change. 
But you gotta keep hope though, cause you might be that one To influence that change We all gotta have faith This change is constant And it's sunshine after the rain Have faith as the seasons change I said it's sunshine after the rain Keep hope and let the seasons change We are desensitized to the press that we eat Readers digest, hard to digest anything But deception is queen and perception is king See the likeness? That was yesterday's thing People heartless in the chest of the beast Cause the belly more empty than regrets of a thief Sleeping vultures in the nest what you see Teaching cultures to be dead on their feet Prisoners slept till they freed End up doing double time through the stress of their dreams Nightmares, the man in the mirror In the ghettos of the mind live the best enemies Right there, the fears looking clearer The vandal in my eyes, who would have guessed it was me? The change was in me, had to change how I see Now the change that I want, I'ma be Music break, and now back to more of the interview on the other side 
of Jack. Now, where can everybody, because I see, where can everybody get your music? How is the independent music industry? Because you're doing this without following the regular mm-hmm. patterns yeah. of distribution for a CD. And what ha- what are what have you learned and what would you do again and what won't you do again? Um you know nowadays with the internet being one of the main focus points for PM, people buying music like sites like you know iTunes, eMusic, Amazon um, um, uh, and and people listen to your music on Pandora and Spotify and stuff and and but you know, CD Baby, which is an online distributor company, they've leveled the playing field. You know, I could sign up with CD Baby and I could have my music not only physically uh, for sale, but I could have it literally around the world on, I mean, dozens and dozens of um, online sites, everything from Rhapsody to um, to anything. I mean, so they leveled the playing field. Plus, they're also right here in Portland. They're about like 10 minutes away from my house, so I could drive up there. And whenever I need to put more CDs in, I could just go up there and drop CDs. And um, so I do sell most of my music through CD Baby. You know, you can go to cdbaby.com and just type in Farnell Newton and you'll see it. Plus about nine other records I've recorded with other people. Um, And the thing about it is as an independent artist, you know, it's hard, you know, because you got to have a team. Um still to help you you need someone who's going to handle promo you still need someone who's going to kind of handle marketing um, publicity and stuff Um, now the great thing is i do so many things i do web design i do graphic design you know i'm good at marketing myself and uh, and publicizing myself so it's not as hard but it's time consuming so i could definitely understand why artists go with a label because not all artists could deal with that. There's artists who just do music and that's all they can do. Like they, <laughs> they have no business savvy. Like they can't even call other musicians back on time. So uh, as far as that, I understand, you know, definitely why, you know, there's labels and things like that because they would take care of a majority of those things. And, uh, but, you know, I love doing it myself because then I know my value. I know my worth. I'm not just going to sign up with a label and let them take all my money and say they did this and did that. Now I could say, okay, cool. I could go into the label meeting and say, cool, I could work out this deal with them. And I know what things cost. I know how much PR costs, how much uh, uh, marketing. I know those different things. So I won't get uh, taken advantage of, which most artists do in the hip hop world and pop world. So, All right. Uh, you know, it's it's hard, but you know, I mean, you reap the rewards. You know, you, you start getting more people who love your music and fans and and uh, new friends, and uh, and it's wonderful. All right. I also saw. See, I love the beauty of the internet and new media. Now, you just posted something on Facebook. What's this PDX Jazz Project? Yeah, so um, PDX Jazz Project is a high school jazz program that I started. Um, I wanted to give high schoolers um, the opportunity to learn about jazz and also to perform jazz. This is a, all everything I do, college-wise and, and student-wise, high school-wise, is about getting real-world experience and performing. Like most universities, you go to school, 
you're in your combo and your big band, you perform the, the little concerts that you do for the school, and that's it. But with my band, my salsa band, I go out and get them gigs in the real world. We go out and perform in front of 200 people dancing to the music instead of just sitting in the auditorium with 50 people staring at us. You know, it's, it's about, you know, teaching them these things. So my youth group, we go out, we do performances, we do fundraisers, we play for other different foundations and basically giving them the real world experience and giving them the experience to um, be ready and prepared to go into the real world to be musicians. You know, not just jazz musicians, but to be able to handle themselves as as a business, how to get to gigs on time, how to take the initiative so that they keep their gigs and, you know, things like that. So uh, and they're all from 13 to 18. I've had some great students um, in the program. I have one kid who's at uh, the Dave Brubeck uh, Institute and who's also at Harvard. I have uh, a student at Juilliard. I have a student at New School of Music. I have a student at Michigan and at Michigan State, um, USC, um, University of Oregon. So I have I have a student here at Portland State from my youth group. So, you know, these kids get the real world experience and then, you know, um, you know, people want them. They go after them because they're serious and really want and love to play this music. So oh, that, now see, that's that's what I'm talking about. That's what I like. You not only have been given to, but you are now giving back. Yes, see, you have that, to. <laughs> that's a good thing. That That's going to keep jazz going. Oh, yeah. Now, that's what jazz always been about. You know, They're like R. Blakey, you know, R. Blakey. I mean, how many trumpet players and musicians has he had in his band? He always went back and grabbed young players and put them on. And most of those young players all went on to have their own successful bands and their own fame. Yeah, Terrence Blanchard does a lot of that, too, because uh, Jason oh, yeah. Moran started in his band. Yeah. I mean, but see, Terrence came under what? R. Blakey. So <laughs> Terrence used to play trumpet for R. Blakey and, and arrange music and everything. So, And see, that's what, and see, I also love talking to you guys because I get more music history about yeah. it so I can make mental notes. And be like, OK, I got to remember that. <laughs> All righty. So now that we've got your whole layout here. Because you you do it do everything from the graphic design. You're like a one stop shop for yeah. your promos, yeah, and stuff like that. So now, where can everybody get your stuff? Um, music. You can always go to the, the usual places: iTunes, um, uh, E Music, Amazon. But I always tell people to go to CD Baby. You know, they support independent artists. They they help independent artists. You could go to them and buy a digital record or you could actually buy a physical CD. Or if you want it signed or anything, you can just go to my website, just um, farnellnewton.com and um, send me an email and, um, and you know, I'll sign it and send you my PayPal and, and send it to you, you know. <laughs> and it's that easy nowadays. You know? <laughs> that's cool to see that. That's the one thing about the new media. It has allowed a lot of people to really get in touch and follow artists that they like. You know, I mean, now, if even a major artist, if they don't have media or social media or online um, uh, exposure, you know, no one's going to buy their stuff. No one's going to listen to them. You have to. You, I mean, you got to have a YouTube. You got to have a Twitter. You got to have a Facebook. Um, you know, I still have a MySpace, even though I'm not on it as much. <laughs> you have to get out there and, and let people see you and, and experience your music. This is true. All righty. I want to thank you for being my first guest 
Thanks on the other side me. of jazz. Well, as soon as I came up with this show and I was given the opportunity, you were one of the first people I called. Because like I say to all yeah. my jazz musicians, <laughs> yeah. my opportunity is your opportunity. So, you know, my goal has always been to get you guys fans and expose your music. All Thanks, right. Man. All righty. Now you go ahead and teach those youngsters. Yeah, I'm about to head there right now. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. You have a good one and a blessed one. I'll talk to you later, bro. All right, Pete. Hi, this is your host, Norvell. I hope you enjoyed this first show of The Other Side of Jazz. That was the end of the Farnell Newton interview. I'd like to thank Farnell for uh, giving us a little insight on his mind and what's going on in his world. Also, remember, The Other Side of Jazz's main purpose is to... Uh, give you insight into music that you might not hear with a jazz feel to it. That's hip-hop, might even do a little reggae, you never know. So stay tuned for it. We're going to end this show with a cut from Farnell Newton's latest release, Class is Now in Session. The song is The Bluest Eyes Revised on the other side of jazz. To the other side of jazz. Hope you enjoyed the music that you never heard before on the other side of jazz.
gonna break a window.